What up, Long Beach? We've got a lot to cover. Actual sports going on right now on talking on this podcast about Long Beach State Athletics. As always, this show is hosted by the562.org. I'm JJ Fiddler. We've got a great interview coming up on this episode with Dirtbags legend Steve Traxel. But first, we got to bring him on because it's his show, Athletic Director Andy Fee. Andy, how are you today? I'm doing well, JJ. Hopefully, uh, everything is good in your world. It is. I got an email to this morning, this week at Long Beach State. Producer Roger sending that out, and it's got scores. It's got games coming up this week. We are uh, all of a sudden sports writers again at the 562.org, so we're, we're feeling pretty good. How about you guys over there? I mean, spring sports season is happening. I love it. I love it. I love seeing that this week in, 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 in LBSU sports as well. Uh, you know, the past couple of months, it's just been the Really, the two basketball teams, it's been a pretty short update. So to have to scroll down, JJ, to catch all the action, that's big time, and I love it. It's pretty big time. We've obviously been giving you all of the basketball updates, but men's and women's golf, getting things done this weekend, the gold rush happening over there at Old Ranch. And then we've got softball, beach volleyball, all coming back this week. The beach are going to be hosting Number two, UCLA at the Long Beach State Sand Courts on Thursday. Then they're taking on Stanford on Friday. Actually, they're playing them twice on Friday. And the softball team is going to be on the road at Fresno. So, yeah, we're, we're going to have a full roundup of Long Beach State coverage in the paper this week on the website. So we're really excited for that. Uh, Andy, other sports coming back. Is everything on track? Are we looking good to getting these conference seasons in? Yeah, yeah, we're looking forward to it. Um, you know, it's it's a it's a flexible, fluid situation. Um, you know, obviously we've got conference schedule, um, you know, on on the books, and we're probably adding some some games and some matches here and there. You know, as as we come back off of the long layoff, I think uh, you know coaches want to make sure that that their you know their team is ready to play and and not put them in a tough spot. So. You know, fans might be actually seeing some additional games added to the schedule as we move on um, up into March when we, we get into the conference schedules. But, yeah, we're excited. Um, you know, I think a lot of smiles out there from talking to the coaches. I talked to Coach Knipe about an hour ago, and, you know, he couldn't help, uh, you know, just you know, talk about how genuine the excitement was around his team just just to come back and really appreciate the opportunity. So, you know, we're, we're locked in and uh, we're going to make a, a great go of it. You know, we want to, as we always say, compete for championships and we're going to give it everything that we have. Are the coaches or the student athletes feeling a little uh, hard done by that a lot of the other schools and teams in the conference are already been playing, doing practice and all that stuff? We're, Long Beach State is behind, right? Yeah, so, so we're, we're technically behind if you, if you just count calendar days. Um, but, but, you know, I think our, our athletes during the layoff, you know, they were working out on their own, um, which, you know, it's maybe not the same clearly as, as, as a team workout, but um, I think they're, they're excited. And, you know, we love at Long Beach State to have a little chip on our shoulder. So, uh, you know, nothing better than for us to, to spoil everybody that thinks they're going to get one buy on us. Um, you know, they're not going to get it. There's going to be no quit, as you know, in our team, the grit, resiliency, the things that we always preach about. So, you know, no excuses for that. Um, we'll be ready to roll when it's time to step on the court or, or the field. And, um, you know, we'll use it to our advantage in, in, in a very odd way. Maybe we'll use it to our advantage. So also in my email this morning, we got the credential requests 
for the Big West Conference Tournament in Las Vegas. It's going to be in about two weeks. How are you guys looking there? Are those are those things still on track for that four-day tournament? Yeah, what was it? Uh, Viva Las Vegas, right? You know, uh, <laughs> Mr. Presley, uh, you know, we're Viva Las Vegas all the way. We are, um, you know, getting ready. Um, we're looking, obviously, to, to see where we can get seated. That, that's the big push now as we come towards the end of both basketball seasons is where, where are you going to be seated? So a lot of basketball, a lot of things to play out. You know, it's a weird year because not everybody's playing the same amount of games. So you start to get into winning percentage and who's got the, you know, uh, the tiebreaker on those things. I think, you know, the men right now are tied for fifth, but technically in sixth because of the Davis tiebreaker. So um, yeah, we're excited. It's, it's, it's obviously a new place. Uh, we've been at the Honda center for, you know, I think it was at least 10 years or close to 10 years. And, um, I think, uh, you know, I think it's a great thing for the conference, some new exposure, a little, little bubbly kind of, uh, attitude around it. You know, unfortunately fans won't be able to be there, but you know, all the games will be streamed. It'll be March madness. And we, you know, we can't wait to get there. Speaking of the, you know, just the logistics on that, is, is everything set up so much so that Las Vegas is kind of in charge of that thing? Or does the Big West Conference effectively take over that arena for the week and it's on them to make sure that it's up to code and protocol and all that stuff? Yeah, so it's, uh, it is quite uh, just like we here hosting, um, you know, practices and competitions. It's, it's a Herculean task. And so um, the company that is kind of helping us run the tournament as well as the Big West Conference office, but um, the company um, that, that's running the tournament, they're responsible for setting up all the testing, uh, kind of setting up the bubbles. Um, you know, one of the, hot the hotels, uh, there's two hotels, the women's teams will be in one, the men will be in the other. Um, it'll essentially be a lockdown because um, in order to get to the NCAA tournament, you have to have seven days um, of testing with negatives. So, you know, we are really going to be in that true bubble when we get to Vegas. So it's going to be a different scenario. I mean, we've, we, we try to keep things on lockdown. You know, in our world, we can't lock it down uh, like the NBA and the scenario that I'm painting in Las Vegas. But um, I believe it's going to be a safe environment. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're making sure that, you know, they, they dot the I's, cross the T's. Our medical folks have, have spoken with their medical folks. So it's going to be a great experience for the student athletes. And, uh, you know, last year having to shut it down right at the start of the tournament was just heartbreaking. So to see everybody get a chance to kind of celebrate it and compete for a Big West championship in Las Vegas is pretty exciting. Speaking of hosting things, the women's golf program hosts the Gold Rush today. As I mentioned, as we record this, they're wrapping up action over there. What went into actually hosting a golf tournament? Is, is still golf and being outside and those things playing into your guys' favor when it comes to having other schools come to an area that you're in charge of? Yeah, so, you know, certainly the testing is, is still required. So, so all the student athletes, you know, our program and, and all the teams that compete have to, have to be tested and, and, and test negative. But certainly being outdoors and golf um, becomes, I will say, easier than, than hosting something inside uh, at the pyramid or elsewhere. Um, you know, if, if you've watched golf um, during the months since last March, uh, the professional um, tournaments have been occurring. Um, it's naturally social distanced. Um, all the little things um, that make it 
easier than, than hosting a basketball game, for example, inside. So, you know, I, I do think you still have to be aware, you still have to be careful, um, but being outdoors does lend itself to being uh, more manageable, especially around the COVID protocols. Do you guys think that uh, hosting stuff like this will help you host things in the future, like when the dirtbag season starts next month? Yeah, that, that's, that's what we, we do hope, that, um, you know, that we can put on a great event, put on a safe event, and um, deliver both. Um, the student-athlete experience of competing, whether it's just for a tournament title, if it's a Gold Rush tournament title as an individual and a team, um, you know, that's, that's what we want. And we want to show the, the city, public health, department, the county, that, that we can host events safely. So um, as we move forward, we, we always want to keep, you know, the safety of the student athletes, coaches, staff, um, everybody involved in an event. But yeah, the more that we host and the more that we're successful at it, hopefully that leads down the road to, to opening things up. But certainly we'll have to wait for public health officials to make that determination. Everything is going well with that. I know you guys uh, struggled a little bit when the basketball seasons and everything's looking fine. Yeah, right now, um, you know, certainly we have more student athletes um, in what I call the testing cohort. So, um, you know, that's this multiplies everything out from, right. from the two basketball teams. But, but right now um, the testing is going smoothly. Um, you know, real credit to, to Mark Edrington and, and our medical staff and Jared Spanger and Kim Fodron and, and everybody that's really doing the heavy lifting around that to keep our student athletes healthy right now, um, we're plugging ahead and um, hopefully knock on wood, we can keep it that way. As I mentioned at the top, Dirtbag alum, Steve Traxel, is coming on the show. And the reasons why he's coming on the show is because he was the uh, lead gift at uh, Bull Diamond at Blair Field, getting that new bullpen in there with all the fixings. We actually talked to Coach Eric Valenzuela last week on our podcast called What Up Long Beach. You can find that anywhere at 562.org. And he was saying that the technology and what they're putting in there is going to just make the program so much better. Uh, how did this come about? Yeah, so, um, you know, obviously want to thank Steve for uh, the lead gift and, and the naming of the facility. And, and as always, Marilyn Bull, who also participated financially in the project. Um, you know, this was one where, you know, uh, Camden Stockton, our, our development officer, lead fundraiser, uh, and Steve just started talking and Steve wanted to, to give back. He said, you know, how can I help? And at that point, Camden uh, brought Coach Valenzuela in and, and certainly Coach Valenzuela and Steve, both, both being pitchers, uh, you know, it was a pretty easy uh, connection and combination to make that happen. But, you know, without Steve, this, this, this wouldn't be possible. And what, you know, this project delivers, it's going to be a phenomenal tool for um, the current dirt bags and the future dirt bags that commit to play here because as we talk about all the time you know we want to get back to Omaha you know Steve did it as a student athlete here back in 1991 and um, you know we're, we're anxious you know it's not easy but things like this do make a difference and hopefully that can that can get us going um, we'll see how it goes this year um, but we're excited. This makes us better. There, there's no doubt in my mind about that. It also makes Long Beach baseball better. It makes the city better. And so uh, as somebody who goes to a lot of baseball games at Blair Field, I'm definitely excited to see, uh, to see it when we get out there. And really excited for this season as well. Uh, and it's so crazy that the names on that place mean so much. And it happened so fast. I mean, obviously you mentioned her, Marilyn Bull. 
And then you've got Jared Weaver's name, Troy Tulowitzki's name. That program is one of a kind, Andy. It really is. And it was a great introduction for you because it was your first days on the job hanging out there for that amazing run in the postseason at Bull Diamond Player Field. Yeah, it's you know, we talk about it all the time. Legacy. You know, what does that mean? The history to the program. When you when you step in as a player into Bull Diamond at Blair Field, it's epic. Yeah, I mean, you, you, you look around and you're going to see the names. You know, maybe growing up, you saw those games. Um, you know, my first, as you said, introduction uh, really was 2017 regionals and super regionals. And as I sat there kind of standing over by the Steve Traxel bullpen um, to a sold out crowd and environment, people going nuts. If you're a recruit, uh, there's not too many places that are as special as Bull Diamond at Blair Field. So, you know, we're going to keep working with our alums. That's the great part. Um, you know, our alums want to get back and get involved. And, you know, we've got other projects that are on the books and, and we'll continue to, to pound the pavement and, and find ways to, to involve those alums in, in the different areas. But we're just so thankful um, for them to give back. And again, you know, some of them have been away for a while, you know, Steve, you know, played here over, you know, about 30 years ago, but uh, here he is back. And uh, we look forward to, uh, to having him out officially when we can get fans back we'll even have a bigger kind of ribbon cutting ceremony out in the bullpen in his honor well before we talk to him we wanted to remind all you fans out there about the 562.org and all the coverage that we're providing for long beach state actually right now you can go to the website and find a story on the first long beach state baseball coach john mcconnell i was able to talk to him last week 97 andy 97 year old coach john mcconnell sharp as a tack he's just sending me emails back and forth he is so great and told me so many great stories uh about how starting a program from scratch is literally that you know he he just had kids come out so they could say that they played college baseball um but they quickly got into a very good conference and he like i said he had some great stories so you check out that story right now at the 562.org we now welcome on our special guest for the week. He's 16 years in the big leagues after leading the Dirtbags to the College World Series in 1991, and he's a Long Beach State Hall of Famer. It's Steve Traxel. Steve, thank you so much for taking the time. How are you, man? Doing real good, dude. Good to see you. How things going? It's going good. Going good. How are you? How's everything going with the last year? You pick up any <laughs> new hobbies and all this free time? Yeah, raising more kids. That seems to be the hobby. <laughs> Got a new another baby <laughs> coming in May. So, uh, yeah, starting all over again. Got to love being uh, stuck in a house. Wow, congratulations. Uh, I'm, I'm sure that's been a lot of fun. You know, obviously we're having you on, and we already talked to Andy about this earlier on in the show, about how you provided a lead gift to help build the new bullpen at Bull Diamond at Blair Field. Yeah. What, why did you get involved? How did that come about? Um, you know, it started with a couple phone calls with the, with Andy and with coach and just kind of threw it out there through the idea of what it is that they wanted to get done. Um, you know, so took a couple months thinking about it, you know, just kind of working out, see if it was something I was even able to be able to do. And, uh, you know, after a couple months of figuring it out, um, realized it was something I'd be able to do and it was something I wanted to do. And I thought it'd be really important to the school, definitely to the, to the, to the program. Uh, once I saw the renderings and saw how, uh, you know, going to help with the player development and, and potentially down the line, uh, some recruitment, um, you know, it's always nice to come to school and as a pitcher and see, you know, great facilities to, to help yourself out. So uh, 
all those things came together. So uh, we all just pulled the trigger and uh, yeah, from what I go, it's almost done. It's look, been looking great. Is that something you ever thought of doing while you were at Long Beach State? Like, you know, one day I hope I can come here and give back. Uh, probably not while I was still there. Um, just wasn't, it was, that was just something, a thought that was so far out away for me. Um, you know, my, at, at Long Beach, I was, obviously we were thinking College World Series at the time, get the hopefully opportunity to play professionally. You know, those things worked out. Uh, never thought I'd play 16 years, you know, I was just hoping at one point just to make it and then just to stick around for a little while. So to be able to stick around that long um, and then you retire, you know, then those thoughts start to come in your head, things that you, know, that you want to do to try to help out. You went to school locally before you got to Long Beach State. So did you already kind of know about the dirtbag lore and the tradition of the program? And did you kind of want to be a dirtbag? Um, I knew a little bit about it. Um, Andy Krogan was on the team. Uh, he and I had known each other since Little League. So uh, we've known you know for years. So I obviously followed how well he was doing. Um, I didn't know the exact tradition of uh, the dirtbag moniker. Uh, obviously, I knew this as 49ers. It was a great program. Saw Coach Snow, what he was doing. I knew he was a fantastic guy to work with pitchers. And uh, I did. I kind of wanted to stay local, you know, being from Yorba Linda, um, but didn't want to stay so close where, you know, I'd be living at home. Unfortunately, that's <laughs> what ended up happening anyway. But, uh, yeah, I wanted to be, be somewhere where I was going to get a chance to start. Um, it's going to be a competitive team. You know, it was going to give me an opportunity to be seen by scouts. And, uh, yeah, this worked out great that I was able to come there. So. Did you take to the program? I know Snow uh, dr drove a hard bargain for some of his players. Did, did you like his style when you got to Long Beach? Did you like it? I did, yeah. Um, and we actually had talk, talked about it before I ever committed. Um, you know, I was per pretty straight with him saying, look, if, if I'm not going to be starting, I'm probably not going to, you know, go this direction. And he was straight back with me. He's like, no, I'm expecting you to start, but I'm also expecting X, Y, Z out of you for the year. And uh you kind of put those goals in front of me, you know, I'm, I've always been the type of guy that's going to put the work in to try to achieve those goals. And uh, yeah, he was, he was on me. We had a couple spats a couple times, um, you know, where, <laughs> you know, my, my attitude on the mound or my attitude in the dugout after poor innings were uh, quickly put in place. And uh, those are the things that, you know, I think helped, you know, prepare me for when I did make it to the minor leagues and the big leagues. Well, before you got there, you guys went to the College World Series in 1991, just a magical season. What, what do you remember about that season and specifically the trip to Omaha? Oh, man, there's so many things. I mean, the season was just was electric. Uh, we had a fantastic team. Um, you know, the, some of the biggest games, you know, biggest series I remember obviously would be, you know, when we got to Texas for the regional uh, playing against Oklahoma State on, at Texas and the Texas fans singing us their fight song because they hated Oklahoma State so much. You know, they they didn't care if they weren't going to make it, but they'd rather see us as long as it wasn't Oklahoma. Um, College World Series was just, I had no idea what was even, you know, what to expect. I mean, uh, it's probably a good time to be more of a position player because, you know, you'd be up there practicing and a van would show up with, you know, 500 bats in it and all the position players got to get loaded up and all the pitchers are standing around like you know can we at least get a fungo or something to hit ground ball <laughs> you know but then you know all, all the teams all staying in the same hotel was kind of odd for me because you know i was in the mindset of i don't want to see these guys we gotta you know play these guys and beat them and then 
some of the guys on the other team we had all played with in Alaska League. So we knew them. So you wanted to go say hi, but you didn't want to spend too much time with them, you know, because you just still wanted to keep that focus. But uh, yeah, just the, the, the number of fans was the, the most we had, I had played in at that point. Um, obviously being on ESPN, you know, that, that had never happened before. Um, just, you know, unfortunately we came up short, but uh, a lot of firsts that year for me in my career. Yeah, it just looks like such a scene out there. Do you continue to follow college baseball, watching it on TV and stuff? And is it so much different from when you played? Do you notice the differences? Yeah, the differences, well, when they make an equipment changes, that was a lot of differences. You see that with the bats, you know, guys hitting 25, 30 home runs, you know, and they're 150 pounds, you know. We kind of had that at other times too going on in the big leagues, but uh, it was a little bit different with the, in college. The big thing for me is the stadiums. You know, I know that the new stadium in Omaha for and just the, some of the, these ballparks that all of these colleges have is just unbelievable. I mean, they're they're nicer than a lot of the AAA ballparks they even played in. And I guess a lot of that, you know, kind of tied into to, to wanting to improve, you know, Blair Bowl Field as well. So um, and you see that on TV and you kind of as a, as a young player, you're probably thinking, OK, it'd be great to play in a, in a in a atmosphere like that. So. Um, you see the regional, so you want to play in those ballparks where you see them on TV. Well, you got a taste, got to see the College World Series ballpark and everything, and then it was on to the minor leagues. You said it before, you came to Long Beach State hoping to go to the minor leagues. That, that was the goal. So what was your draft experience like? Did you have people knocking down your doors, or did you have to pick and choose? Um, I don't know if I had them knocking down my doors. You know, you, you do some interviews. Uh, you know, scouts would come. They had some, they're all different. Like I remember the Blue Jays had a bunch of guys show up at a hotel room and take a test. It was like a 10 or 12 page test. I guess it was, I don't know if it's personality or maybe knowledge of your game. It was all Scantron. So I kind of remember that. I don't know what happened with it or what the results were. Um, other times you just went and had a quick sandwich with a scout. Some of the scouts knew me from Fullerton Junior College beforehand. So they just kind of was like a, not really, this followed me from there. Um, I met a few playing, you know, in the Alaska League. Uh, the Cubs actually offered me a contract in uh, one of the tournaments. And uh, our pitching coach uh, was, was Skip Fag. He heard about it. He basically cornered me and he's like, if you sign that contract, it will break your arm. <laughs> so you were, <laughs> I said, no, no worries, coach. I'm not ready to go yet. But uh, yeah, I was drafted in the eighth round. It was during the College World Series. So, um, yeah, like I say, that was a, just a, a momentous week um, for me personally. And uh, yeah, within, I guess it was maybe two weeks, I, you know, I was in Arizona with, with uh, you know, 85 other guys that just got drafted. Wow. So would you remember where you were when you got the news? I mean, it's not like they're putting the eighth round on ESPN back then. Uh, I, you know, it might have been Coach Snow, maybe. Maybe he heard really? about it. I mean, because we had, I think we had nine or 10 guys drafted off that team, which was a lot. And um, I know Steve Whitaker was, you know, a late first round pick. Dennis Gray was in there. So, so I was not one of the top guys picked on our team um, in the early rounds. So guys were finding out, you know, routinely. <laughs> well, it's 91 in two years through the minor leagues, you got to, to make your debut in 1993. So your first start, you go seven strong, five Ks, two earned runs, and you take the loss. Oh, I, I played a little baseball. Yeah, right? I out of squeeze. I play a little baseball. That's got to be so hard. You worked your whole life for this moment to make your debut. You fit, I mean, you pitched incredibly well, but you, you can't control everything, and you take right. the loss. How tough 
was it to learn that lesson so quickly when you got to the show? Um, there was a lot of lessons that game. Uh, you know, the first lesson was don't throw a three, one fastball down the middle to the number three hitter. Cause it's going to get deposited into the <laughs> left field seats. So that was the quick one. <laughs> and don't, and don't think that's the only way guys score, you know, big leagues they drop the squeeze on me late in the game to, to, to lose. So, uh, Alex Arias, I'll, I'll never forget who dropped that squeeze down. So, um, but, you know, I got got my first base hit in that game. So that was that was great. But uh, I don't know if it's so much the fact that I lost I was disappointed in, but um, it was more of the excitement of getting out there at Wrigley, you know, just just getting your first game in, getting a taste of what it's going to be like, seeing that, you know, in one game I did, ha you know, has had some success and uh, just try to figure out and learn as much as I could in that short, you know, 17 days or 18 days that were left in the season to, to carry that into the next year. Well, you just mentioned it. You got to pick up the bat as well. Who's the toughest uh, pitcher that you ever faced? I'm sure I'll, there's a bunch of hitters you can think of. Oh but uh, Randy Johnson, Pedro Martinez, uh, those are probably the two hardest throwers. Uh, Brad Penny, I remember facing him late. He was throwing, you know, upper 90s. He actually hit me in the chest in a spring training game at one point. Ooh. Yeah, <laughs> that's probably the most scared I'd ever been because I, I thought it was going to hit me right in the face. But uh, yeah, some, all those guys that throw hard with the electric sliders were, were always – I can understand why they have so much success because uh, I had no chance against them. <laughs> well, you mentioned it too. Chicago Cubs, you also played for the Rays, the Blue Jays, the Mets, and the Orioles. I got to put you on the spot. Which one's the best city to play in? Ooh, it's a, it's definitely a toss up between Chicago and New York. Um, Tampa was a little difficult because we just started the season out with so many injuries that we just never got a real get started. I was only in Toronto for a couple months. Um, that city actually reminds me a lot of Chicago. So I could see, you know, if I spent more time there, I would have enjoyed it. Um, you know, Chicago's a sports town. Um, whether, you know, I'm a huge Blackhawks fan, so I love, love watching hockey. Baseball, obviously the Cubs there, it's huge. New York, I love because the expe expectations there are through the roof, uh, especially with the Yankees being across town. So, you know, they were they were pretty much in a position where we had to have a pretty good team or attempt to put a pretty good team on the field every year. And uh, that was a little bit different than what, you know, I experienced in Chicago. So uh, I really appreciated, uh, you know, what the Wilpons did there, you know, putting going out and getting high-end free agents during the offseason, as well as doing a lot of work at the trade deadline to kind of put us over the top. Uh, speaking of putting it over the top, finally the Cubs win. Did you watch that series where you're rooting for the Cubs? Do you still root for the Cubs since they were Absolutely. your first team? I, I actually went to two games. So my wife and I flew to Chicago for two games. Um, yeah, I mean, couldn't get it done while I was there and it had been so long. I figured it would be, part, you know, witnessing some history. Of course, the two games I went to were the games they lost. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so some of the people that were there saw me and they're like oh, i'm only here for these two games and they're like yeah we're glad you're leaving because all of a sudden <laughs> it's losing <laughs> I, I contemplated going to game seven uh just you know ended up being pretty difficult to get that done but yeah. uh i mean the electricity was just uh, amazing um uh, just seeing and actually seeing guys in the in the in the concourse you know that were you know old teammates and then the celebrities and I mean, I have some videos of the concourse in the streets where it was, it was just tens and tens of thousands of people all over the place, even that weren't inside the stadium. So um, the playoff game in 98 was was absolute insanity. The World Series was that times 100. I mean, it was just amazing. 
What does it feel like to be in front of that many people who are all rooting for you to succeed? It's a lot easier when they're rooting for you. That's for sure. Um, gets to a point though, you know, <laughs> you're rooting against you. It's a little harder, but uh, you get to a point where when you're getting focused for the game, it, it all kind of becomes like white noise and it just kind of, you know, you can kind of tune it out. I always found it much more difficult to pitch in stadiums where there was very few people. Uh, I remember a few games like the Astrodome where there would be, you know, six or 7,000 people and it would just echo and you could hear the video games going off, you know, in the right field corner, you know, just going do 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 the kids out there playing. I always found that harder to, to, to block out. So uh, a whole a large number of fans was easier. Um, just, yeah, but when they're against you, that's, that's when it gets really tough because they're, they're right on you when you're walking off the field. You know, those first two rows of guys by the sixth, seventh inning, if they've been drinking too much, uh, they can, uh, especially certain towns like Philly or Boston, you know, they, uh, they can say some really uh, obscene, <laughs> vulgar stuff that'll they'll, they'll definitely get your attention pretty quick. I was going to say, it's got to be, uh, you know, the cold northeastern cities that uh, that are the most tough yeah, to the, play at. Really, the city of brotherly love. It's like, yeah, there's not a lot of love <laughs> going on there if, you're, if they don't think you're a brother. <laughs> All right. Well, I cannot let you go without asking you about 1998. You gave up the record-breaking home run to Mark McGuire, 60-second home run. The sneaker, yeah. the one that went about three inches over the left field <laughs> fence. Uh, so many people watching and waiting that season for that home run. Did you kind of see that coming that you were going to be on the mound and have a chance to face him when he was trying to make history? Uh, we knew it was going to be close. Uh, we had, I think it was the second or third game of the series. Can't remember which, but we actually remember talking about it during uh, our pregame pitching you know, meetings before the series started. Um, I think he needed one to get to it, which he got off Mike Morgan the day before. But it was pretty conscious by the pitchers that we didn't want to be the guys to give it up. We were in a playoff hunt, you know, with the Cubs, which we hadn't been in a long time. So, uh, yeah, I remember sitting in the dugout, watching that home run. And, uh, you know, I knew I was pitching the next day. So unless he had gotten another at bat that game, I was like, okay, it's, it's on. It's game time. So, uh, you know, we got two objectives. We got to go out and win a game, keep us in the playoff hunt, and keep him off the board for number 62. And, uh, unfortunately, we didn't do either. <laughs> So we, we gave up 62. <laughs> so um, luckily we, you know, we still made it to the playoffs later. Um, yeah. It was, it was crazy for a couple, you know, months afterwards talking about it. And then it started to die down a little bit. Um, the more I thought about it, you know, there's a lot worse things you could be known for in baseball. Um, it wasn't like I didn't give up a lot of home runs anyway, but uh, yeah, it flared back up big time when, uh, when Mark came out and, and finally did admit that he had been uh using some banned substances and uh it was crazy again for about two and a half months and um went away i still get you know stuff sent to me all the time to sign uh, a lot of st louis fans send me i guess there's postcards or stamps you know that they made from the from that time and, and i'll sign them all for them you know they'll ask me to put 62 on it but i put an asterisk now next to it now and they all get a kick out of it they're like it's oh. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, yeah, it's, it's actually been a lot of fun to, to something to, to go with in my career. That's re that's really funny. I was going to ask you about it, but you, you kind of talked about it right there. Yeah, does it change the way you feel about it now that we know what we know? Um, I'd probably at this moment in time, no, because I think it's just everyone just kind of has, has accepted it, uh, especially after the big ESPN uh, 
Long Gone Summer came out this uh, past summer. Um, at the time, yeah, I was pretty upset about it. Um, you know, Sammy was on with my team with Chicago as well, so I got to see it from both sides. And you know what, what Sammy was doing was uh, was amazing as well. So uh, to have that entire thing kind of tainted, you know, from a player standpoint, I think it's more the players that are more upset about it now than a lot of the a lot of the fans. Um, it is what it is now. And, uh, you know, I've just kind of accepted it and I, I embrace it. I enjoy it when we get to talk about it and talk about it with the fans. I like seeing all the different point of views. Um, and now, you know, it's carried over into, you know, Hall of Fame guys, you know, or certain guys should or shouldn't get in. Um, you know, I'm pretty staunch on guys not getting in that have definitely been known to cheat. But uh, I see both sides and it's, it makes some, some fun uh, debates and conversations. Are you trying to stay involved in baseball? Do you want to coach or, you know, do a talking heads thing on ESPN or something? Um, I, I really haven't. Um, I had the opportunity to coach right after I retired. Um, I was I was offered a pitching coach job in Brooklyn with the Mets. I live in San Diego. I had young kids. And, you know, I just I'd miss so much early with them already. Um, I, you know, I had an opportunity to go play in Japan. So I turned that down as well. Just didn't want my kids flying 14 hours to come see me. And uh, one of the things they always say is, is once you're out of the game, it's really difficult to get back in. So, uh, you know, after four, five, six years of not being in it, it makes it pretty tough to get back in. I didn't want to do the travel, uh, you know, especially on a buses and all of that. Um, so talked about maybe doing some TV stuff, but, uh, you know, those opportunities are pretty far, you know, far between two. Once you're out, you know, it's the same idea. You got to pretty much jump into them when, you're, when your name is still known. And I had no experience in doing that. So, yeah, but now, yeah, I've got an uh, 18 month old daughter and I got another one coming in May. So um, definitely not going anywhere now. <laughs> it's going to be another, well, it's going to be a while. <laughs> well, congrats again. Um, and as somebody who works in Long Beach with the local baseball community, an improvement to Bull Diamond at Blair Field isn't just for the Long Beach State Dirtbags, it's for the entire city and the baseball community here. So on behalf of them, thank you very much for what oh. you're doing over there. And uh, hopefully very soon we can all get back to Bold Diamond at Blair Field and hang out and take a look at it together. Yeah, I can't wait to get back on into a seat and watch a live baseball game, eat a hot dog, have a beer or soda or whatever. But, uh, yeah, I am, I am ready for live in-person baseball to get going as soon as possible. I can't wait. All right, before we get out of here, every other week we do our big shouts. Andy, you got a big shout this week for somebody over at Long Beach State? Well, I, I got a shout for uh, some folks in the LBC, and that's uh, our teachers. Um, you know, I'm married to one of those Long Beach Unified School District teachers. I, you know, I know Mike uh, is as well. Um, you know, they're going to be going back and, and getting in the classroom here uh, in, in about a month. So I want to give a big shout out to those teachers, those elementary school teachers who are going to be getting back in the trenches uh, for, for our kids here in the community. It's a big step towards getting back a little bit more towards what we think is normal. So huge shout out to all the teachers in Long Beach Unified. That's a really good one. I'm gonna do my big shout to Benny Garcia, Jeff Scott and Kelly Gill who handle the marketing and external relations over there at Long Beach State. They're putting together something really cool for the Dirtbags Baseball home opener. It's gonna be homecoming. Couldn't do it for the basketball season, so why not do it for the dirt bags? And they're putting together some uh, interactive stuff, actually, so people can uh, can feel like they're back at Bull Diamond at Blair Field. Hopefully, very soon, we'll actually be able to do that. And the 562.org is going to be involved in some of that interaction. So keep an eye out for that. 
shout out Benny and everybody over there for, uh, for involving us. We're really excited to do that. Andy, maybe we can have you on as well. Would love it. Awesome. All right. Good stuff. We're going to get out of here. Everybody, please keep an eye out for Long Beach State sports coverage. It's actually happening. We're thrilled. We're going to have previews for those Big West uh, men's and women's basketball tournaments as well up at the website. Just check that out. Thank you to Andy. Thank you to Roger. Thank you to everybody over at Long Beach State for, uh, for everything that they do. And we will talk to you soon.